Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, Perry here. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable vault hunters, each with deep skill trees, abilities, and customization. Play solo or with your friends to take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Mayhem is available now on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com, rated M for Mature. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. On today's show, we are discussing the big Jurassic Park reunion for Jurassic World Three. On top of that, we apparently have two new names in the mix for the role of Prince Eric. And we're also discussing Warner Brothers' statement regarding the recent Joker movie controversy on today's show. 
First up on today's call sheet, before we roll into our panel with our own Vinny Mancuso and John Roca, we are highlighting a big event that happened at the Collider screening series last night of Jurassic World and also the short battle at Big Rock. So Colin Trevorrow was on hand and he introduced, maybe it's just Laura Dern. Maybe Laura Dern has a fairly significant role in the upcoming movie. But on top of that, she teased a little something else that really just, I was freaking out last night. Check it out for yourself. I love dinosaurs. I love that you love them like we do. And it's not asking too much if I'm going to get to join this party again. I just, I would hate to not bring my friend Sam Neill in. Is that okay with you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it, guys. You heard it here first. So you were the first to hear this, that Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern are returning a major role in Jurassic World. Moving on over to a Star Wars story now. In his new memoir, which is called The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger mentioned that George Lucas didn't hide his disappointment over The Force Awakens, saying that there was nothing new about the J.J. Abrams sequel. Moving on over to another Disney story now. We've got the live-action adaptation of The Little Mermaid coming our way. And now, according to Deadline, Krypton's Cameron Cuff and Jonah Howard King have both tested to play the role of Prince Eric in the movie. Deadline also notes in their piece that one source close to the production tells them that there is a large pool of Prince Eric's in the mix right now. And director Rob Marshall has been auditioning a lot of actors for the part. Moving on now, we are discussing The Joker on today's show. The movie has already sparked a good deal of controversy well ahead of its nationwide release, and this conversation has taken a very serious turn with victims of a, with family members of the victims of a July 2012 mass shooting in Aurora, Colorado, all signing a letter calling on Warner Brothers to be a part of the growing chorus of corporate leaders who understand that they have a social responsibility to keep us all safe. The Aurora Cinemark Theater, where a man opened fire during a screening of The Dark Knight Rises also announced that it will not be showing The Joker. In response, Warner Brothers did release a statement and they say... Gun violence in our society is a critical issue, and we extend our deepest sympathy to all victims and families impacted by these tragedies. Our company has a long history of donating to victims of violence, including Aurora. And in recent weeks, our parent company joined other business leaders to call on policymakers to enact bipartisan legislation to address this epidemic. At the same time, Warner Brothers believes that one of the functions of storytelling is to provoke difficult conversations around complex issues, make no mistake, neither the fictional character Joker nor the film is an endorsement of real-world violence of any kind. It is not the intention of the film, the filmmakers, or the studio to hold this character up as a hero. Rounding out our call sheet today and also the story that will be rounding out our show is a review, and it's a review of the upcoming animated release, Abominable. But before we get there, we've got a new series for you, and we want to tease it for you right now. Let's check out Liza Koshy having her mind blown in a series we're calling Hocus Focus. Nice to meet you guys, Jay, magician. An honor to meet you. You're one of the founding fathers of magic. Right, right. That's so dope. So do me a favor. Think of any playing card. Any playing card. Playing card, yeah. How many cards in a deck, by the way? Usually. 52. 52. 52. 
It's like how many states in the United States? Give him a shuffle though, but you, you can you do can you do the rub your head, pat your belly okay. thing? Rub, rub, my head. rub your head, pat your pat, rub, head, pat my, your belly. Okay. Rub my your head, pat, pat your belly. belly. Can you do it like that? Right this? I can't rub my head because my head. You know the, the thing is, for me, in my country, in my culture, when you meet someone for the first time, you you were supposed to bring something. Yes, Truth. Right? That's, that's Indian culture all but, the way. So I, I, I didn't, the, the only thing yeah. is that I've got something for you. Um, oh it looks a little bit like your watch. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> oh! I, oh. Was that you, literally what you were wearing? That that's is what literally. I was, what, when did you do that? Where's my underwear? <laughs> <laughs> what? Perception is very fascinating to me. So when you meet someone, you've got to take an impression of them in your mind. We do this as humans. I want to try with you. So, do you have a card in mind? I do. I okay. have a card in mind. The card you're thinking of is a red card. Okay. Is that true? That's true. Hold this. This is crazy. Don't look at it in front of me and the whole gang. What was the card you're thinking of? Tell us. Uh, red, nine of diamonds. Why were you thinking of the nine of diamonds? I have no idea. I just want nine diamonds. Really? The yeah. funny thing, the nine is actually not in this deck. It's not? Because it's in my hand. I hate you. No, wait. Now, hang on a second. Shut up. I want to flip it. This would be amazing <laughs> if it was a nine, right? Yeah. Okay, I was off. But that was <laughs> close, though. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. Well, what, what star sign are you? Uh, Aries. Okay. Um, what month is that? Uh, March. M-A-R-C-H. This is more impressive. You can take it. This. Turn the card over. Okay. Turn this over? Mm. What's up, Collider Video fans? Josh McCuga here. I'm the host of a brand new show on Collider called The Rumor Mill. Now, we're live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m., but we're live on the Collider Video Twitter. So you have to subscribe there if you want to interact live with us. If you want to throw in some rumors of your own that we want to incorporate in the show, you have to tune in live. Now, you can watch the show on YouTube later. But again, if you want to watch live with me and three panelists getting rowdy, giving points to each other, and just yelling rumors, you need to tune in live on the Collider Video Twitter, 2 p.m., every single Wednesday. If you want to check out the full episode of Hocus Focus, it's up on the Collider Video YouTube channel right now. And then on top of that, if you want to check out the YouTube original series, Liza On Demand, season two is available now as well. So uh, give it all a watch after you watch this edition of Collider Movie Talk. Before we move on to our first panel discussion, I'm going to introduce Mr. John Roca and Vinny Mancuso making Hello. his Collider Movie Talk oh, debut. Uh, finally. Yes. Finally. Big round here, of applause for, for that. a year now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right out outside that door for a year hoping for my chance and then some killer clowns start happening you're like get Vinny in here Vinny he's the actually expert. just sits right outside the door yeah, that's my only job at Collider every day. but to Listening be fair to he's also though. the quietest dude in the office so nobody knows we I know how to talk shows. I can speak the quietest dude it. in the office who has some very important things to say it's yeah true. sure yes. well it's a lot easier to type than it is to talk I, <laughs> I, I think true. I might find that to be true sometimes here I go I'm gonna try talking hopefully I will plug all of this wonderful heroes and villains stuff very well right now though because if you're a big fan of Star Wars, Star Trek, Batman, you name it, all these really cool brands and you want to just show the world your love but with really chic clothing, that's what Heroes and Villains is for and we're going to do a special thing today for Heroes and Villains, specifically for this bag right here. This bag wants to be shipped out to one of you out there. All you have to do to win this is 
Go on Twitter, share the live link for this edition of Movie Talk, and I want you to tell me what is your favorite Jurassic Park slash world dinosaur. Just put it in there, and then Dorian's going to pick one, and we're going to announce a winner at the end of today's show. So get on it. Try to win this little guy right here. All right. Speaking of Jurassic, that's our first topic today. So we had a really incredible Collider screening last night. Colin Trevorrow was there, and they screened Jurassic World, and they also screened the short film Battle of Big Rock, which was just, I like, Oof. I can't even on the big screen with the sound and everything. Mm. It was something else. But the big deal last night was that during the Q&A, Colin invited Laura Dern out to announce that she's not just in Jurassic World 3 as a cameo. She has a significant role in the movie. And then she spilled the beans that she's not the only original JP member coming back. So is Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. So first off, you guys hear this news. What is your reaction? I mean, I know I'm on a different level of Jurassic Park obsession, but are you freaking out quite like I am? Uh, I mean, I I knew beforehand that Laura Dern was in it. And it, that immediate reaction is, is obviously excitement because nothing is worse when Laura Dern is in it. She's like, she, if you add Laura Dern to something, it's, it's going to be better. She's like the sriracha of people. She's, if you add it, it's going to be a little better. And then she brought out the, the other two, and it, it was excitement. But now I'm, I'm a little, not wary, but confused at how they're going to do it because that's a lot of people to bring back. And I know, and I know that they announced Jeff Goldblum for... Um, uh, Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then it, they, his one scene was just the one scene in the trailers. But she, they said that it's a significant role. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how the dynamic of bringing her back. Because with that character, she was pretty much the only one that was like, I am done with dinosaurs. I, I, she got off, a, off of the island and was like, I'm going to become a children's author. Uh, no more dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic to have the dinosaurs then introduce themselves back into her life. I, I, first of all, excitement, yes, because of this. One, that's still the best one for me, the first one. Um, and you look at the uh, diminishing law of diminishing returns with the subsequent sequels in terms of the reaction to it, the critical reaction to it, and recently the box office reaction to the last one. People really didn't like this last one. People didn't, weren't a big fan of it. Still made and, a good deal of money. Yeah, but like where they want to go, where they wanted to make. I mean, they should be making a billion dollars, these kinds of films, because they have that kind I of... I think it did. Yeah. Did it? Did it yeah. make yeah. a billion? And also, right, I fine. can tell you the exact... And, and also, I, 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 don't, I don't know if this is the popular opinion, but I, I really like Fallen Kingdom. Oh my god! I, uh, I, uh, I think it's the best. <laughs> you know what? Go since, back outside since the, the original. This is this is why they don't invite me. I actually have nothing but trash opinions. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I have to counter your opinion with Laura Dern because a lot of people didn't like Return of the Jedi, you know. Mm-hmm. So so she's just sorry. And a lot of people, some people don't like Sriracha. So I mean, it's just well, that's just industry. wrong. <laughs> for, the, for the record, yeah, worldwide Jurassic World oh, worldwide. made okay. 1.67 billion, wow. and then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom made 1.3 billion. So, so both uh, so, so it was well a, so it was a failure. My point <laughs> still well cleared a billion dollars. My point still stands: diminishing returns. So you're making less. With, you should be making more with these sequels come out if you're doing well and they're being well received. There's people tore that last one apart. Critics tore that last one apart. So if you're gonna get the excitement I I back into the franchise, I will happily send you guys reviews. But um, if you want to get back into the get the excitement back into this franchise, this is what you do it with these with these three actors. You bring them back. You do more than as Vinny said. You do more than do a cam. Cameo for mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum because Goldblum deserves more than just a cameo. You have Laura Dern, you have Sam Neill. I think they. The, I think this is smart because if you're gonna shut this thing down and maybe move on a, a little further down the road and restart it up again with new characters and new actors, 
you have to bring everybody back to like close the door, to re- put a, a bow on this thing. Maybe she, Ellie comes back because she's like, this has to all end once and for all because you clearly can't make this work and there's been so many opportunities for you to try to make this work and you've messed it up every single time. People have died and so this is it. And this is not carrying on the legacy of the character that, of John, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who started this Evan. whole thing. Uh, huh? John Hammond? John Hammond, John. yeah. The guy who started this whole thing. So you're destroying the legacy because none of you have been able to do it right. So I think that's why you bring them back. And, of course, Sam Neill, uh, Sam Neill's expertise, Jeff Goldblum's natural sarcasm, and the whole situation, all three of them together is magic and chemistry. So, that's so on Rotten Tomatoes, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom sits at a 48%. So My I point, wouldn't say... That's, right. that's rotten. It, you know, that's it's, rotten. it's definitely rotten. I wouldn't say ripped to shreds across the board. I, for one, did enjoy myself. And, you know, I'll fully admit I'm a Jurassic Park. I'm I'm obsessed. I just like existing in that cinematic world. So the minute I stepped into Fallen Kingdom, I felt like I was kind of home. Mm. So I was going to be happy. I think the first half of the movie is much stronger than the second half. But even as I'm excited as I am to see the return of, I mean, not even just three actors I admire. These are three cinematic characters that I've grown up with my entire life that I love, that I want to see back on screen. There is a little bit of hesitation because... I don't want to see them shoehorned into this movie without a purpose. I don't want Mm. to see them just be there maybe to get the box office back up to Jurassic World levels and just to, you know, coast on their star power. I want them to have purpose. And when it comes to Ellie having a more significant role in the movie and not just a cameo like what Jeff Goldblum had in the last one... I can't quite figure out a way to get her into the story where she serves a big purpose or where, because it it seems to me if she has a significant role, at some point she does have to cross paths with Bryce Dallas Howard and Mm. Chris Pratt. And that's where I kind of get a little lost on how I could figure out a way to carve her a path in that direction. Because after Battle of Big Rock, when I first heard this, the first thing I thought is, oh, you know, like it's very easy to have them in, you know, everyday life run into a dinosaur now. So that's the way to do it. But the thing that I'm wondering, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. So with Jeff Goldblum's role in the last movie and what he stood for in terms of not saving the dinosaurs from the island and letting them perish so that John Hammond's mistake would almost like naturally wipe itself out, do you think maybe the way we can get Ellie in the mix is either she sides with that mentality or she goes against him? I, I think she's definitely going to side with him because, I, like, like I said, I feel like she was the most... She had the most rational reaction mm-hmm. to the first Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park movie, where they went to an island and were attacked by dinosaurs. She was like, this is a bad idea. We should not bring back dinosaurs. I don't want to work with dinosaurs anymore. I, I, I think you're insane for still working with dinosaurs. So to, to, for the dinosaurs to now be amongst us, I, I feel like her role in the story is, and I don't want to speculate that she's an antagonist because that's, that's that would probably be a little bit of a jump, but like, I think I like think she, what they did with B.D. Wong. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. They did do that. Maybe yes, that is did. what's going to happen. But I feel like she's going to definitely have the opinion of uh, these things got to go. We can't peacefully coexist with dinosaurs. Can I throw a little wrench into that Please idea? Because all I did was say Jeff Goldblum's stance at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think his line at the end of the movie was something to the effect of like, they're out there now. Now humans and dinosaurs have to figure out a way to coexist. Welcome mm. to Jurassic World. 
Yeah. Fair. So could Jeff Goldblum perhaps have, you know, changed his mentality? Not necessarily a switcheroo, but it's like we made our bed. Now we have to lie with it and deal with, with you know, a new situation. Well, I thought it was interesting that they chose to go with the story they did for uh, Battle at Battle Rock because Battle at Big Rock. Big Rock, Because uh, that was a very firm, and even in the, the stuff they were showing during the credits, it was a very firm, like, humans can't live next next door to dinosaurs even the, the stuff they're showing the credits people were driving off the road because they saw a dinosaur there was a there was a dinosaur swooping into a wedding it was just sort of giving this message of we're we're, we're losing the territory battle already and and i feel like it would be very out of character for for anyone like that to be like i think we should see what ha- let's, let's stop and see what happens you mean out of character for Goldblum? Yeah. For his character? Oh, I don't know. I, I think Dr. Ian Malcolm would love to be like, well, you guys brought this on. Deal with it. Like, I think his point has always been from the beginning that, right, nobody, what did he say in the first movie? You know, nobody ever stopped to think that we should. Or, mm-hmm. you know, just because we can doesn't mean that we should. And that's an important thing because nature always finds a way. That's been his point is that it's all about chaos, right? And so if the, the, the dinosaurs are out now living with the humans, you brought this upon yourselves by allowing this to happen. Here's your punishment. So I think he's going to be someone who's going to be uh, more actively involved. Don't forget that second film. He was way more actively involved in trying to stop this all from happening. So I think he'll still be more actively involved. I I find the the Laura Dern thing interesting, the Ellie thing interesting, because Ellie's always kind of been like the majority of people's protagonists, right? People love Sam Neill. People love Dr. Ian Malcolm. But Ellie's been the one in the middle on both, figuring out both sides and trying to do what's right. Because she was first initially like shocked at seeing all the amazing wonder, but then realized what it led to the terror that it led to it's like she's going to be the same voice and in this industry where we've seen more and more women taking the lead in these franchises don't be surprised that this now starts to be where she moves into this situation here she might even be related to chris pratt in some way or bryce dallas howard in some way was it star wars what are saying? <laughs> you know, it's not like it's out of the realm possibilities blockbuster she's franchise. a skywalker she could be his he could be her nephew you never know i was kind of rolling with you for a little while <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what just happened <laughs> well you know yeah, that's how it is in Roka's life but no i mean i, I but I think that's what's going to be uh, uh, happening here. She's going to be the kind of sane voice in all of this. And people have needed people have needed her back in this franchise. People loved her in this franchise. And so to have her back leading this thing, because Sam's going to do his thing, Jeff's going to do his thing, but it's really mm-hmm. Laura Dern who people are going to be gravitating to because she's always been like the sane one and the normal one, the one who understands, the rational one, I guess, of what's happening. Yeah, and I've always appreciated her perspective yeah. in that first movie. As established by Jurassic Park 3, she also has like the entire Marine Corps on speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're right. so that could help a little bit, I that guess. That satellite phone ring is stuck <laughs> in my head for life. Um, very curious to see where they take this. As we get more story information, we will share it with you. But got a lot of faith right here. The idea of going from Jurassic Park to Jurassic World and fully owning that concept, I think, has so many exciting uh, creative possibilities. So... We'll see what happens. Now we are going to move on to this Joker story. We read the statement from Warner Brothers at the top of the show. And kind of what we want to talk about right now isn't necessarily specifically Joker, but just, you know, the larger questions that something like this poses to our industry, to all of the movies that we discuss. And one of the first questions I had jotted down for you guys that I want to know about is, 
Do you think that filmmakers are obligated to consider the societal impact that their movies are making? And it's a, it's a big question. Yeah. I, and again, you know, we're having a, a discussion right here. So, you know, chime in in the comment section below and just respectfully share your opinion there as well. No one's pointing any fingers. We're all just talking about movies. I think it's a subjective thing how you approach it, right? Like, do you think filmmakers have a responsibility? I personally do not. I think filmmakers are allowed to create whatever film they want to create. If they can get the budget, they can get the actors, they can get the script and shoot it, edit it, and put it out. Will people consume it? That's what it's all about. Trying to restrict artists to me always drives me insane. Do they have a measure of responsibility? Sure. Only to treat the subject matter with a certain amount of understanding and a point of view, that's important. Like something like Nymphomaniac was a waste of my time, both volumes, uh, but I had to watch that thing to understand what the hell they were trying to do, but it's not for me. But I would never stop that film from coming out. And, you know, Todd Phillips responded to this in that IGN interview and said, um, look at Do the Right Thing. And I'll go even farther back. Look at, look at, um, uh, uh, look at um, a Taxi Driver. Look at uh, a Blackboard Jungle. Look at, these, uh, look at the Defiant Ones. These are films that push them in the heat of the night. In the middle of the civil rights movement, you have a black man slapping a white man in his own uh, garden or whatever that thing is, his garden house, whatever you call that thing. Uh, and so they have, the filmmakers have always pushed the boundaries of these things. And I think it's very dangerous to start telling filmmakers, you need to be more responsible how you present these things. The only responsibility a filmmaker has is to put his, his or her vision out there and then fully and then see if the public wants to consume it or not. Just to add to what you were just saying about the do the right thing quote, yeah. I have the quote here. So it's a quote that Todd Phillips gave to IGN, and he stated, it's so, to me, bizarre when people say, oh, well, I could handle it, but imagine if you can't. It's making judgments for other people, and I don't even want to bring up the movies in the past that they've said this about because it's shocking and embarrassing when you go, oh, my God, do the right thing. They said that about that movie, too. Right. To me, art can be complicated complicated and and oftentimes art is meant to be complicated if you want uncomplicated art you might want to take up calligraphy but filmmaking will always be a complicated art i mean that that's kind of what it comes down mm -hmm. to for me i i do think that filmmakers and i mean really every human being for that matter is obligated to do what they can to make the world a better place otherwise we are all doomed but i don't think it comes down to restricting the stories people are allowed to tell i mean I I want complicated art. I know. I mean, I've said it on Movie Talk before. I walked out of Joker not feeling super great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like, well, just because I didn't feel good from that movie, those movies shouldn't exist. Right. As long as movies responsibly spark conversation and don't incite violence. And I agree with the Warner Brothers statement. I don't think it was anyone's intention to use this movie to say to someone, you should go do this exact same thing. But on the flip side, I understand the sensitivities to sure. it because this is some troubling subject matter. So whether you walk out of this movie saying, oh, Arthur's a terrible person or you understand just like all that pressure he was feeling throughout the entire movie. That's the thing with Joker is that Todd Phillips paints this picture for you. He doesn't push you down any specific path on how to feel about Arthur. He just paints like a fully realized version of what Arthur is dealing with at this point in his life, plops it in your lap mm -hmm. and lets you in interpret it and 
Yeah, that means the conversation can go in a multitude of different different directions. But the point is, I don't think anybody was deliberately trying to do anything negative. Well, I think it's always dangerous. And I'm sorry, just real quick. I think it's dangerous, too, to have this idea that you have to um, be worried about how people are going to react to this and what people are going to do with it. No one can predict what someone's going to do with something, whatever piece of media they consume and how they're going to interpret it and use it to do whatever they want to do. And I think it's dangerous because then you start giving validity to this argument that video games cause shit. shootings uh, uh movies cause shootings we start going down this path there'll be no horror genre that's for damn sure if you start going down this path that's what concerns me filmmakers are supposed to put things out there and explore things that the public is uncomfortable exploring and there's a reason for that and they make you face it and i think that's important uh, well, I mean, first of all, I kind of disagree with Todd Phillips because I feel like calligraphy is kind of complicated. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it works. He but, went too far there. But, but, uh, but no, I, uh, I, I agree, and I'm glad you brought up uh, those older movies because there's two responses to this that I find really strange. The first one is, uh, do you remember when we could just turn our brains off and, and no one complained about movies? And that was never the yeah, case. It never that was never the, I, When people bring up that argument, I just... I, I just kind of assume they're, they, they don't, they, they're, they're either much younger or they, they think like a much younger person. I, I, there was never a time when we didn't think critically of movies. And there was never a time when movies didn't have an impact. And then the second thing I think is weird is when people want to walk into a movie like Joker and say it's just a comic book movie. Like, it's not that deep. And it's, first of all, try telling that to Joaquin Phoenix. Try, telling, try saying to Joaquin Phoenix, don't worry, I got your back. I know it's all just stupid comic book stuff. Joaquin Phoenix would not appreciate that. And He'd second, walk out of the interview. He would, he would walk <laughs> in right out of the interview. And I just, I, I feel like it's, it's very strange, especially with something like a superhero movie, because they do rule the movie industry right now. It's, it's the main type of movie that people, a lot of people only go see superhero movies in theaters. So to say... Oh, just don't think about it too hard. Don't 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 criticize it. Is is like saying don't criticize movies in 2019. And I just I just think it's always been that movies are more than what happens in the plot. Mm. And we wouldn't we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be a movie talk. No one would be watching movie talk if movies weren't worth having a discussion over. So I think Joker. While I do agree, I'm not sure it's going to cause. It's not going to. It's not going to end America as we know it. But I do think. <laughs> It is worth having the conversation. Context is important. The time that a movie comes out is important. And I, I, and I think that we can't dismiss Joker as nothing, even if it's not as big of a deal as some people think it's going to be. Well, I mean, even just from a, a storytelling perspective and from a film criticism perspective, it's like the the question that you have is when you tackle a story like this, you know, how much subtext do you hand over to you, your viewer? What is the strongest way to tell this story where... You actually add to the conversation. I think that's going to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, points of interest when mm. this movie hits theaters nationwide and we all walk away from it simply talking about what happened in that story to Arthur. And that kind of sparks another question that I have. And again, there's no one answer to this at all, but I do really want to ask it to you guys. How can we have a, a film with a protagonist that's a villain that by the end of it isn't shown as a hero of the story. Mm. I think that all comes down to the filmmaker, and I think it all comes down to how that story is presented. Look at Kaiser Soze. That guy is a villain the whole time, uh, and by the end, you're almost like, 
scarily respect him. But if you go into The Godfather, you liked uh, Vito Corleone. He was as much of a villain, even though he's cuddly and sweet and all that, and died in, you know, with orange slices in his mouth. He still was a cu- like a, a person you wanted to know, wanted to get to know. He had principles. But Michael Corleone was way more of a villain. And Coppola's intention at the end of Godfather was to make you not like Michael Corleone. And, even, and when people loved him, he took Godfather 2 and was like, we're going to make him even more evil, more vicious, and that's the response. So you can walk away from it feeling positive or negative about it. I think it's about this, the, the filmmaker presenting it in a certain way and then the person themselves receiving it and interpreting it how they do through their own receptors. So, you, like I said, you can't control how someone feels about it. Yeah, and I mean, you even look at Heath Ledger's Joker. I, 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 people really yeah. latched onto that character and they were like, I agree with his worldview. When I think that and I, I, people have different different uh, reads of the movie. I think that the movie explicitly tells you that the Joker was wrong. The, yeah. the, the guy, the, the two boats don't blow each other up. The Joker's entire worldview was wrong, but people don't latch onto that part. Bat, he was wrong, and Batman tossed him off a building. And, and, and people were like, "That's my guy. That's <laughs> that guy gets it. That guy gets society. I don't want to follow rules either. I'm a dog chasing cars." When really, it was all just talk. And by the end of the movie, you kind of got the idea that. He was wrong. And, and that was 11 years ago. People are still misreading that movie. So I think, like you said, it's a very complicated question because you don't want to censor movies. You do not want to take violence out of movies. But you can't control how a mass-produced, mass-released movie is going to be received by everyone. And it's, it, it really comes down to having a sensitive touch of how you, how you display this thing. If, if, if you're making what the Joker does look just badass as hell all the time like that that to me is not gently handled it's it's making sure that the violence is cinematic but doesn't look like something you'd want to do Mm -hmm. well we're gonna wind this conversation down now but i will say that one thing we can control is our movie loving community right here so we're going to continue to cover joker all the way through its release and well beyond so engage in the conversation respect each other share your opinions everybody has a right to their opinion let's just have a conversation about the medium we love so much all right before we move on to our next topic which of course is that abominable review we got a little promo for you for a show called comic book shopping check out this clip I'm Coy Jondro here at Golden Apple Comics in the heart of Hollywood with Kevin Smith himself. Oh my Look. God, that's striking. Look at what I could do with a camera. She's like, it's a movie. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> He's an angel. We can do anything we want. Anyone that knows this man's work knows the best place to be with him is in a comic book store. I am so excited. We're about to do some Sweet Sweet Comic Book Shopping. You ready? I'm ready to spend. That episode of Comic Book Shopping premieres on October 1st, so don't forget to check it out. Now, I have the pleasure of welcoming you to our Heroes and Villains review of Abominable. Before I even read the synopsis of this movie, I got to welcome a special guest to the set, Wendy Lee. Hi. Hi. I made it. Look at that. Hi, Mom. I love your bag. Look at my pretty, pretty bag, (laughs) and it matched my outfit today. I got, like, the neutral aesthetic. I did it on purpose. 
So that bag is Wendy's. This bag could be yours, though. So don't forget about the little giveaway we're doing right now. Take to Twitter, share the live link of today's episode of Movie Talk, and tell us, what is your favorite Jurassic Park or Jurassic World dinosaur? Dorian will pick a winner at the end of today's show. Also, if you want any of this stuff that we're wearing, it's all available on HeroesVillains.com. And if you use the promo code Talk 15, you get 15% off at checkout. So do that. You're rocking that jacket pretty well. I like well. this jacket. I love this jacket. I like jacket. that jacket. Gold on, gold on a Latino is good. It feels good. It feels good. It looks good on the complexion. I'm a big fan of it. I've grown quite comfortable in this. Like I, I think this is jacket. just going to be my movie You guys are like uniform? fall ready. Hell yeah. And I'm still like, is, I feel like yeah. I'm still transitioning. Yeah. I still got like the neutral and the white going on. But what I like mm. about this bag is I can put my laptop in there. I thought you were going to say oh, yeah. you could put one of your dogs in it. <gasps> you... What? What? Maybe. Maybe. Navi could fit in there Navi just could okay. Navi, Navi could fit. Navi. She's, Navi. A, she's a Star Wars. No. Yeah. Falcor, Falcor is a little two pounds too heavy right. to be in this bag. Falcor is like a Allosaurus ripping through that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, wait for this transition. Speaking of like cute, cuddly, fuzzy white things, let's talk about Abominable. All right, <laughs> I'm going to read done. you the synopsis right know. now to catch everyone up to speed. When teenage Yi encounters a young Yeti on the roof of her apartment building in Shanghai, she and her mischievous friends Jin and Peng name him Everest and embark on an epic quest to reunite the magical creature with his family at the highest point on Earth. So... Abominable, the new animated release. What did you guys think about it? It should be called Adorable. <laughs> it's so cute. I, Why is I that had... not on an ad somewhere? <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt, DreamWorks. Oh my God, it'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's really cute because I, I actually didn't see the trailer for this movie, movie before going in. I had missed it at TIFF. So I'm glad I got to see it last night. It's full of heart. I cried in the third act. I don't know if Perry noticed because we sat next to each other, but I was like trying to quietly sniff. Because it, it does talk about family and how... Um, a teenager would deal with grief um and like so there's a lot of journeys for all the different characters a lot of layers to this movie and i really find it it's like a perfect movie outing for the whole family i don't think i heard you sniffling at all only because i was just so distracted by the rat the reactions to the whooping snake <laughs> whoop. oh my god i wish there was a way to like put a whooping I'm snake sure is. Right if this thing makes money i'm sure they're gonna make one and it pops up for you uh yes. i have a special finney for this because i worked on uh you know i got i went to see uh, i went to a studio visit for it and got to talk to joe colton a lot of people behind uh uh, the scenes who made this film uh, and then and then worked the junket and got to talk to some of the actors which was nice uh, and those articles will be uh, one article's already up and those articles are coming out uh, this week as well and uh, in, in the interviews so to me I fell in love with just at the beginning of the whole process seeing the designs and hearing how the story because this was a long time coming uh, Jill was on initially then she was moved off and then there was a change in ownership of the studio then she came, got back back on so this has been a labor of love for her and it has transitioned from a younger child to the teenager you see here in the movie and so there's a lot that goes into this movie that i really enjoyed it's an incredibly sweet movie mm -hmm. it's certainly cotton candy but it's the best kind of cotton candy you can have and if you have children they are going to 
love this. And you will too. It appeals to the inner child inside. It won't insult you. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's sweet. It's got a great message. And there is a little bit of, uh, of uh, uh, I don't know, a little bit of darkness to it in that she's processing the death of her father. So what's that journey like and what she goes through? Chloe Bennett does a great job yes. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's her first lead voiceover role in a feature film. Incredible stuff here. Albert Tsai is good. Tenzing Norgay is good. Uh, Trainer rather is good as well. Like there's such great work here, and the visuals of the film are phenomenal and yeah. lush. Made me want to go visit China immediately. Uh, and so that 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 that's credit to Pearl Studios and to DreamWorks Animation working together on this. So I, I absolutely enjoyed it. It's not the greatest animated film, but it's certainly a very sweet time in the theater. I'll throw in one more shout out for a member of the voice cast, Eddie Izzard, was just oh, sure. yes. absolutely. I, I mean. I think that one I would label pitch perfect. I, everyone I thought on the yeah. voice cast was great, but there was something about him that just completely just what I know of him melted away mm. and his voice brought that character to life like well beyond already what the impressive animation achieved. Yeah. I was delighted throughout <laughs> this entire movie. I will run with what you said, calling it cotton candy. There mm-hmm. are a couple of beats, especially with uh, the stuff that Yi is going through. A few beats in the story where I thought maybe they could have dug a sure. little a little yes, deeper, absolutely. especially as an adult viewer coming at this, but oh my god, the kids in our theater last night were just, they were so laughing great. at all the right times, and their laughter was infectious because whenever, like, <laughs> I was laughing quite a bit myself, yeah. too, but whenever I heard kids going nuts, it's like, like I'm just thinking about you know the part where the blueberries oh, are the in blueberries it. was <laughs> great. Just, like, yeah. That's the kind of communal you know family friendly vibe that I want mm-hmm. in a movie. And you guys know me with like cute cuddly pet like creatures. I- like ever freaking melted my heart. I know. It took a matter of seconds for me to fall in love with him and then to see the impact he not only has on Yi but the other two as well because. Yeah. Every single character in this movie is going through a transition, the villains included, mm-hmm. and every effect on everyone I thought was extremely strong. And there are a couple frames in this movie that are, I mean, freaking stunning. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. There are so many parts where you freeze frame and you want to put that art on your wall Absolutely. because this this thing was designed. With, you can also feel how it was designed for a whole lot of love for the characters, for the themes, for Everest, and also just for like the lush landscapes. And I really appreciate that yeah i especially seeing all the landscapes like it like just it brought me back because uh dustin and i had just like d- done a trip to asia mm. so it was really nice to see all of that brought to life and what i really liked about this movie was so colorful even in the times mm-hmm. that they dealt with a, a little bit of darker subject yeah, matter yeah. it was still bright and vibrant for the kids so it wasn't mm. it wasn't a little bit too scary for them yeah the lishan the lishan buddha moment is uh that's the um, moment where you that's might when break I cried. yeah that's the moment where that's you might when break. they got me especially if you lost someone like i had mm-hmm. i got a emotional in that moment too you know thinking yeah. about my own dad in that moment i was like wow the, the movie got me there it was cotton candy but the movie got me there keep talking about pretty... cotton candy i can see abominable <laughs> being a little everest in, in a little cotton candy so cute the one thing i do want to say before we wrap up on this is, is i do also enjoyed uh the switching of the uh, the gender stereotype here mm. you have the young dude being the one that's you know worried about his looks and worried about his clothes and not wanting to be out there and you have uh Yi be the one who is like working multiple jobs and she wants to be going on these adventures right. she's pushing the boundaries of all these kinds of things and i love that switch uh, because it's not done in a way that's like uh, you know trying to make a point it's more to show that there are different characters that can exist in animation and jill said that in the interview that she really wanted to, to she's a person who didn't grow up like liking the princesses she 
wants mm-hmm. something that uh, a young a female a protagonist that she could attach to and feel a connection with. And that's here, I think. Yeah. All right. That right there is our review of Abominable. Uh, thumbs up around the table. Yeah. I, I definitely give it one. And uh, how about one last whoop? Does anybody want to do a whoop? Uh, whoop? How's it going? Okay. Whoop. 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 All right. You'll get it when you see the movie. That was handsome. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that, you picture, that picture. Adam, <laughs> what I happened? told you to get rid of that. Wait, what happened? I'm, I'm so glad you didn't get rid of oh, that. No, I have to scroll back and watch. Put it up again. Oh, oh come oh, on. Oh, look at you, Come on. That's so Oh, Everest is big. He's big. He's big in person. Oh, you guys were meant to be. That's yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Before we leave you guys today, let's roll into some live chat questions. <laughs> All right, Dorian, I'm trusting you. I haven't looked at a single one of these yet. <laughs> um, my, my mind is immediately uh, going to a Jurassic Park question. Uh, J. Scott Real wants to know, if one of the returning characters had to repeat a classic... Oh, this is great. Oh. If one of the returning characters had to repeat a classic line from the original Jurassic Park, which line would you want? Hold on to your butts. When you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> are, I feel like hold on to your butts would options. be the one that you'd want to... You yeah, I mean, how can I say anything Must go faster would be mine. Oh, yeah. Must go faster. Must go yeah. faster. Must go f- and must go faster is a great line that's used in mm. Jurassic Park, and then also again from uh, Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you have one? I think whatever Doctor Ian Malcolm says, any line he says <laughs> in the first film, I would like to see. Obviously, to stop to think we should or whatever that is. I like. I mean, that I feel one like too. we should pull one of Ellie's lines. I kind of oh. liked what you were getting mm. at earlier, mm. uh, mm. the conversation that they have around their uh, Chilean sea bass in oh, the yeah. first movie, oh, where right. she is weighing in with her thoughts. I mean, to revisit some of those same comments, mm-hmm. just in a completely different situation mm. where it's gone well beyond the park, that could be an interesting touch. Yeah. Do you see them crashing through a Barbazol factory? For this, because the can that was can. No. no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You're you know, they can't all be golden, you know. I still, I still want some sort of throwback to the Barbasol can, where yeah. like I, I don't necessarily mean with them driving into a factory, <laughs> but with like the can existing, even though you know, and yeah. having an impact right. on you know the the state of the world, even though the coolant in it, I believe, would have you know expired and yeah. not not kept the dino DNA. Good point. Working. I mean, you never know. Right. <laughs> All right. Know. Here's a question. I think this is a good question for Roca, actually. Oh, MK Songbird asks, with Deadwood, Downton Abbey, and El Camino released or releasing, what one television series would you like to see or benefit from having a final film? Come on. Oh. Well, unfortunately, we can't because James Gandolfini's not with us anymore. But a Sopranos that isn't a prequel would be so great to walk back into because of the controversial ending and the way people somehow felt a little negative about it. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. I would throw Lost in there if that Lost finale oh hadn't God. done what they did. I would say Lost would be a good one. Uh, Rome is a good choice too. I loved Rome. Uh, Lost would be a really good one. Right? I, I wasn't. I wasn't completely satisfied with that mm-hmm. ending. Like it, it made me really angry for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that ending. How do you, Perry? Guess, guess. You should be able to guess, because my totally my weird. answer is represented in this office in a fairly large way. Is it? Ash versus yes. yes, there it is. Say it with confidence, <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> Ash versus Evil Dead. There yes. you go. It also seems like it could be in the realm of possibility. Oh, I mean, I don't know what they're cooking up with this franchise at, at this point, but that show was cut off in the perfect spot to tee up, you know, a real kind of army of darkness mm. kind of movie, which, mm. hey, who doesn't want that? 
Yeah. Fair. All right. Ready for another question? Sure. This one's from the Big Enchilada, who wants to know who's your favorite current director not named Fincher, Nolan, or Villeneuve? Oh, you took mm-hmm. Villeneuve? Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's always, always going to be my answer. What, what what were the other choices we can't use? You, can't, you also can't have Fincher or Nolan. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> um. Oh, wow. The I wheels are you. turning there. You look really stressed right now. I almost feel bad for you. I would say James James Mangold. By the moment. I would say Mangold coming out of Logan. <laughs> Fine. All yes. Right. I would say Mangold coming out Mangold's of Logan. Mangold's a good call. Yeah. I think you're gonna you're gonna be pretty pleased then with uh, Ford v Ferrari. Yeah. I quite liked it. I'm looking forward to. It. I've liked Mangold's work uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So. Mm, yeah. Okay. Fine. You're just so mad. At you. Yeah, I'm mad. I can't think of something a little more uh, uh, powerful. All right. Do you guys want one more horror question before yeah. we reveal sure. our Let's winner? All right. This one came in from Colin Wright, who who's asking us any horror franchises you all think could follow in its in its blockbuster footsteps. So, what's going to be the next you know box office smash hit along the lines of it and it chapter two for the horror genre? I mean, mean Halloween ooh. Halloween came pretty close, right? Oh, so what, you mean what's coming up next that you would, would be, or do you yeah, want to predict like what, what could what could hit the same blockbuster status that the It franchise just did in the oh, horror genre? Jesus. Um, I'm gonna now? wait and see what the response is to Doctor Sleep because mm-hmm. I think if they tee that up the right way with using the weight of The Shining and that movie winds up being like really really good and yeah. with Mike Flanagan at the helm, I think it's got a very sh- good shot at being that good. I don't know that that could get people pretty uh, intent on seeing it ASAP. What does Juan have coming up? Oh, it's funny funny you should ask. I can actually tell you there was an update this morning on his new film. Um, I can't find it on the website. Because, I mean, if the trench... They released the the title, I believe, of his new movie. Okay. Yeah, because James Wan's kind of... All of his horror stuff... People want to see his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Like the trench, if the trench comes out. It's a whole different vibe, though, from like It and yeah. Dr. Sleep. It's a right. very, very different. Well, because Stephen King right. is one is a certain thing mm-hmm. versus, yeah, James um, Wan. By the way, Ryan Coogler is my answer. Thank you. Okay. Oh. All right. I'm all for that choice. So he announced <laughs> the title of his new movie and the start of filming on Instagram. It's called Malignant. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and he basically just put on Instagram, first day of principal photography on the 10th feature film of my career. Malignant is the official title. Really excited for this one. So are Malignant. we. Malignant. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious to hear more. I like that All right. title. We do have to say goodbye now, but we are not leaving you without giving this baby away <laughs> to a Collider Movie Talk viewer. And Ooh. that winner is... Edward Harrell and Edward wrote, favorite Jurassic Park dinosaur for me is the Brachiosaurus, tall, beautiful, and just does their thing. Eat, graze, (laughs) care for their babies, and leave humans alone. Unless, of course, you mess with them. Then they'll step on you and turn you to mush. It got really dark. All right. Even with the darkness, thumbs up for creativity there, Edward. Uh, Congratulations. We will send you your bag soon. Roka, Wendy, and Vinny, who's who's still right outside the door over there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here Thank today. A huge thanks to Adam, Thad, and Dorian for supporting Movie Talk and working so hard on it. And to everybody out there, huge thanks for watching today's show. If you want even more Collider content, you're going to want to tune in to Collider Live at 10 a.m. because they've got pro wrestlers Brandy and Cody Rhodes Ooh. on the show today. So don't miss that. Also, do not leave this video without liking and sharing it and telling everyone everybody you know about Collider Movie Talk and then tune in tomorrow 9 a.m. Pacific for a brand new episode.
that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.